Hi, everybody. Welcome to Hey, Watch This. I'm Paul Goebel. And I am Paul Sebus. Paul is filling in for David, who's on vacation this week. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. <laughs> for those of Happy you who don't know, here. Paul is a very funny comedian here in L.A., and his... Uh, his geek credentials are certified. Uh, we've done <laughs> Thank uh, you. we've done the Tom Frank's show before many times, and I told you this last time we did uh, you did the show with me and Jim. You are one of my favorite comedians in L.A. Awesome. Because Thank you. Yep. Your comedy is very smart, and it can be very specific, like doing the comics and comic show, but it can also mm-hmm. be stuff about going to a wedding too. So for the, for you people listening, check out Paul online. Follow him on Twitter and stuff. is very very funny. Um, what's new, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I don't know. Not a uh, not a lot is new. Yeah, did um, you see any movies or TV shows that were of interest lately? Um, well, we are going to be talking about uh, Daredevil. Daredevil we'll get to that later. Sure. Uh, so that is new. But I also watched on Netflix the new Pee Wee Herman movie. Oh yeah, I haven't gotten night, to it yet. So. Uh, it's good. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it, it's uh, hard to make. I wouldn't say it's as good as Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Okay. But definitely uh, head and shoulders above Big Top Pee Wee. That that's um, saying a lot. Yeah. So I mean, not that Big Top Pee Wee was so great, but that you can make. I was just talking to Brooke about this last night. It blows my mind that this movie that came out when I was, I think, a senior in high school. This guy has now made. Another movie with this same character, what, 25 years later? Yeah. yeah. That's fucking crazy. Like, you see, obviously, movies get rebooted all the time or whatever, but for the same actor to play the same character and wear the same costume, <laughs> maybe he's, you know, it's been let out five pounds or so, but that, I think that's unprecedented, you know? I would, yeah, I would, I would, unless, uh, I don't know. Did, did did Karloff come back for any of the like later Frankenstein movies? Like that's maybe the only but, thing I can think. But of. even like, then, it's it's like technology back then. Like I think part of the reason why is a, a big uh, uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure is so stylized yeah. that you can kind of re revisit it. You know, you can yeah. bring out the sets and the costumes and stuff. And luckily, most of the actors are still down with it, but. Like Boris Karloff coming back for Frankenstein, you know he had to sit in that chair hours and hours for that makeup. You know, unlike yeah. Paul Rubens, who just put on a little pancake and and then went out there. Granted, he's not yeah. as old, he's not as uh, spry as he used to be. But you know, I saw him when he did the the tour when he went the back on tour. Revival show a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah, and it was which I, it was I saw the. Great. But well, I think was that on HBO that they did the broadcast yeah, yeah. of it. Yeah, I saw that. Incarnation, yeah, and really liked it. Yeah, we saw it live so. down downtown. It was it was incredible. It was just like you know. I remember watching it in high school. But that how how old were you when the first one came out? Um, much younger than you. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was, I I was about uh, five or six years old. Okay, but I remember seeing it in the theater, and you did see the movie in the theater. Yeah. So then you were probably the right age to enjoy. Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yes, yeah. Because I was in college, so I, I it was well, like. Well, I think that's a good age to enjoy Pee Wee's Playhouse as well. Well, it, <laughs> it is only, <laughs> but you got to remember when I was in college, that was before like we still used VHS tapes and stuff to record things. So yeah. I had to set up my parents' VCR because I, of course, didn't have one to yeah. uh, record Pee Wee Herman every morning or every Saturday morning, rather. But now, well, when you were in college, you were in high school when Pee Wee's Playhouse was on. Uh, no, I mean, I because it was 
I think it was just a couple years after uh, yeah. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Like, if Pee-wee's Big Adventure was 85, Pee-wee's Playhouse probably premiered right. in, like, 87, late 86. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. So I was still in grade school. Okay. And, and very much had the experience of, like, wake up Saturday morning and pour a big bowl of cereal yeah. and, and watch cartoons. Yeah, absolutely. Pee-wee's Playhouse. So. Yeah, so I think that... See, for me, I think that's the way you enjoy Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yeah. And then you enjoy it again as you get older. <laughs> On another level, I could never right. enjoy it as on a kid's level because uh, I was too cool for that. <laughs> See, I think that your experience with Pee-wee's Playhouse, I think, is my experience of the Pokemon TV show. Yeah. It's just like being in college and that being on, possibly being altered on some sort of substance. Sure, sure. And just, but just it's, uh, watching it mouth agape. But Pee-wee's Playhouse was clearly written on two levels, though. At least yeah. two levels. Yeah. And it's like, um, well, I was just going to talk about Zootopia. Have you seen Zootopia yet? I have not. I've been hearing really good things. Yeah, I really liked it. But the movie is, unless, you know, you know what you're going to see, it's not what it appears to be. uh, Because, first of all, it's this whole analogy about racism from beginning to end. They (laughs) immediately bring that up. That's what I've heard. Yeah, unless you're a moron, you don't see the point that they're trying to make. Because they make it immediately, and that's what the entire (laughs) film is about. It's pretty heavy-handed. But I think for kids... Who are kind of used to that message in the shit they watch, you know? Yeah. They just, uh, they're not bothered by the heavy handedness. But there's so many adult jokes that aren't even like a joke that a kid, you know, when you're a kid and adults would laugh and you go, well, that's, I guess that's funny, but I'm, I don't get it. But then there were jokes that you, it wasn't until you were an adult that you went, yeah. oh, I never caught that. Zootopia is like that. The kids don't miss out on stuff because there's plenty of stuff for them. But it is, there's another level there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and not just about the messages, but the comedy and the jokes and, you know, even little things like the, my, the in this small mammal land, the mice shop at Mousies, <laughs> you know, shit like that, that is really quick yeah. that kids really don't even pick up on, really. And yeah, so I think Pee Wee's Playhouse was one of the few shows like that, that kids watched and went, this is fun. And adults or young adults went, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. 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 It's it's crazy to me that it still holds up. I, I'm glad that they made the new one and that it still holds up. I can't wait to watch it. And yeah, I, and and I think it does still uh, work in that same that same way where there's still like a couple of levels going on. Yeah, like you could re- yeah. you can enjoy it as a like a family kids movie, and and also there's a few sort of more adult things thing. that uh, that get snuck in there. Sweet. All right, I, I can't wait to watch it. Um, what, anything else that you saw that was good? Um, no, not that I've seen that is good. I saw so. Um, so I saw Zootopia, which is great. I saw Crowded, that new sitcom on NBC. Patrick oh, Warburton. Yeah, yeah, It's pretty lame, unfortunately. It's funny because the cast is great. Warburton's funny, and Carrie Preston is great, and Stacey Keach is on it. Oh, Stacey Keach, is he like the grandfather? Cranky old Carol? dad, okay. yeah. It's Warburton's dad who has remarried a black woman and he says in the first episode <laughs> she's like you know old sassy black woman but they, he calls her mom even though she's clearly a stepmom but at one point Stacy Keach is talking about I think he's making fun of the kids because he has two daughters one of them's kind of a nerd the other one's a free spirit and one's running around in her underwear or whatever and Stacy Keach says something he's like come on dad don't be so old fashioned and Stacy Keach goes look I married a black woman what more do you want from me <laughs> and I thought that was really funny because I thought Truly, sometimes I'll see that. Like, I'll see an old, older person or an old white man, because I'm an old white man myself, but I will often see someone 
older than me, who I immediately, I'm sure you do it too, you immediately yeah. think he's old school. Yeah. He's, yeah. He could very easily be some old racist from <laughs> World War II, hates Asian people or whatever. And you and you you give those people a pass for the most part, <clears throat> as long as they're not... Because they're from a different time. Yeah, and That's, they're harmless. Yeah. I mean, Todd Glass uh, likes to say, well, if you're from that time, you don't get to any of the benefits of this time. Like, if you still want to be a, if you still want to be racist against yeah. the people who shot at you during the war, you don't get to take heart pills. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I, I'm, I, I'm kind of down with that way of thinking. But regardless, but then every once in a while you'll see an old dude who's like smoking weed, or he's like, or it turns out he's gay. He came out when he was 65 or some yeah, shit. Yeah, and you automatically feel like, oh, I am nothing. I thought I was <laughs> so liberal. I'm just an asshole. I, I actually love that when I see uh, old dudes do shit like that. So that was kind of funny. It's good. I didn't. I did not know Stacy Keach was on that show. Yeah, because uh, the advertising I've seen does not not at all mention him. No, they show uh, the, I, Miranda Cosgrove because she yeah. was on iCarly, and I'm sure girls who watched her growing up are going to want to see that. My kids used to watch iCarly yeah. all the time, but it's just not funny enough. And it's Sean Hayes and his partner created it. And James okay. Burroughs directed the, at least the first episode, but the script is bullshit. It's really sad. Yeah. Um, and everyone's funny on it, but the script is just fucking nonsense. Um, and I also watch a show, Underground, on WGN, which is great. It's about the uh, Underground Railroad. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah. I've seen the promos for that. It's only been on twice. It's on WGN, so it's... It fits in with that, like what they were doing with Manhattan yeah. and Salem. I was going to say, like, they've kind of... They've, they've really taken off with, with scripted programming. or not just rerunning yeah. Saved by the Bell. And, <laughs> yeah. And, Original, like, yeah. serious yeah. scripted like programming. Yeah, like high-end, hour-long dramas. Like stuff. the Salem. Yeah. I, I didn't watch Salem, but from what, I, from what I understand, it was fucking crazy. It was out there. Yeah. And then, like... Heard, and the, the bits and pieces of Manhattan that I've seen, it really just seems like a very well-done show, if nothing Yeah, else. and like, it's accurate. And this and this one, obviously, it's you know it's about slavery... And so it's brutal. In the first episode, um, you know Journey Smollett? You know who she is? No. She's, uh, her brother is on Empire now. She used to be on Friday Night Lights, and she was on True Blood. She's this beautiful girl. But she's one of the house girls. So uh, was, all... was she uh, Anna Paquin's friend on True Blood? Um, no, no, no. She no. came on much later. Oh, okay. Oh, no, no, because she's very light-skinned. I know who you're thinking okay. of. You're thinking of Tara. But, yes. No, she was on uh, Friday Night Like She's very, very light-skinned. You, do you watch Empire? No. Oh, okay. So, But the the oldest gay kid on that show is her brother. Oh, okay. From the Smollett or Smollett family. <laughs> they used to have a show when they were little called On Our Own. There was like six of them. And the premise was they were orphans. It was like Party of Five. And they got somebody to dress up like their aunt and take <laughs> care of them. It was like a comedy. It was really bad. But uh, there was like, honestly, there was like six of the Smollett family on there. But uh, it's really good because she's there. Okay, so the first scene, uh, she's one of the house girls. You know, they all attend to the ladies and the men in the house. And um, her mom, who's also a house girl, uh, has uh, uh, another son, her little brother, who's just like five. And he plays with the little white kid in the house. They're playmates, yeah. as history has yes. taught us. Yeah. And it, and and as and it's like as soon as you see them playing together, you know what the deal is. This is the master's son playing with the slave girl's son, and they're best friends today. 
But one day, much le- you yeah. know, very soon, it will be a different relationship. And it's crazy to see that. And so then in the first scene, the two of them are playing and they run in front of a horse and he he rears and it knocks over the thing. And the white guy gets out and he's super pissed at both the kids. But of course, he's only going to punish the black yeah. kid. Yeah. Uh, even And it's funny because, again, I think, well, this guy is the farmhand just because he's white. It's like, well, he's so, even though he's the lowest of the white people on the plantation, he's still above every single slave, and he still has the right, legally and otherwise, to whip the shit out of this little five-year-old boy. And if you're immediately struck with that, and you go, oh, man, slavery sucks. You know what I mean? (laughs) Because it's been a long time, and we are all used to the idea that, yeah, slavery was pretty bad, but it really isn't such a abstract concept at this point right yeah and it's and it's and especially if you're a white guy i mean i grew up black history month was a big deal in my school growing up in flint michigan uh but not so much when i moved to arizona you know what i mean (laughs) but i i still remembered all that stuff where they they because it was Arizona, wasn't it? That refused to acknowledge Martin Luther King Day. Yes, and I was in high school when that happened. Our governor Ev Meekum said this is not a legal holiday. Nobody gets off work or off school for it. And then uh, and then that's why there was no Super Bowl. Yeah, in I was going to say, wasn't that kind of the breaking point of the NFL? That was it because Tucson was up for it, and they said, "Well, we certainly can't let it happen there now." And that would never happen. <laughs> Ev Meekum was an old racist from way back. Um, but it's brutal. So eventually, so Journey Smollett comes over and says, please whip me instead. And she's, again, a house N-word. And so she's dressed up in very nice clothes. So she holds out her arms and the guy whips the shit out of her Ugh. forearms. Brutal, right? Bloody. So this, so this show's not holding back. Not at all. Bad. Yeah, that's the thing. is, And that's why I wanted to bring it up. Because uh, it's not a show for everybody. Because it is pretty brutal. But it's not about that. Because... Chris Maloney is on it. Reed Diamond is on it. You know Mark Blukas from oh, Buffy? Yeah, from Buffy. He's yeah. on it, and he's a... The Bluke. Uh, the Bluke, right? <laughs> and, of course, there's a million great black actors on it and actresses. Uh, Aldous Hodge, who was on Leverage on TNT. I don't know oh, if you yeah, watched yeah. that. He's, I yeah. love him. Like I said, Journey Smollett. All these black actors who don't get enough work. Michael T. Williamson is, of course, on it, <laughs> he sh- as he should yeah. be. So it's all about them basically planning this escape. But it's a it's not just let's go and they take off. It's a very detailed plan. And Chris Maloney's character, he's a slave, uh, whatever they call him, slave hunter. That like he makes his living bringing back, you know, escaped, escaped slaves. slaves yeah. But he's an abolitionist. He what his best friend who works for him is uh, the dude from The Wire, the natural born police guy from The Wire. You know who I'm talking about? He's also on uh, Person of Interest. He was the head bad guy on Person of Interest. Uh, I'm I'm blanking on his name. The, Me too. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. The, yeah, the older sure. guy on the wire who was the best cop of them all. So the, yeah, the really gaunt. Yeah, he's guy. very very yeah. skinny, and he was also on. God, he's been in everything since then. He was on. Uh, he was on Treme on HBO. Uh, if David was here, yeah. he would look it up. But cell service out here. Go ahead while I talk. Fringe as well, right? Yeah, like, he was on yeah. Fringe. Yeah, he. Oh no 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 no. Or am I thinking about? No, you're thinking of the other guy from Fringe. I'm thinking of, um, you know, in the first season of The Wire when they're putting the team together and they go, "Well, you need to get this guy," and he was in the property. He was working in the property room the whole time. Oh, and then they get him, and yes, and he's the guy who finds out who makes the little furniture. 
Yeah. On the wire. Yeah. And he finds out who Avon Barksdale is. He yes. brings in that, that big poster. He says, here's a picture of Avon Barksdale. And uh, he was on, like I said, did you watch Person of Interest? Uh, no. Because no, no. he, he was on that. He was a headbag. My, my mother's a big fan of that. I Man. Just... I love it. I watched it all on Netflix. No one ever told me what a great show it was, and I fucking watched every one of them on Netflix. I love that show. Um, but watch it if you if you're interested in that, and uh, and you're not too bummed out by it, uh, you should watch it. Uh, I wonder. I'm curious. Again, I don't have as many black friends as I would like, but I am curious <laughs> what black people think of this show, especially young black people who, again, you know, didn't grow up learning all about civil rights. And so, does the pilot lead up to? Like an escape or a... No, or in the pilot, the pilot actually starts with basically you're following some escaped slaves. And they get caught and some of them go back. Um, and so it's the pilot is obviously about a bunch of learning to know, know who the characters are. But this guy who got caught, Aldous Hodge, he convinces them, I, I wasn't escaping. I was just looking for a thing. So they whip him and send him back to work. But he's like, now I know exactly what I'm going to do. He's like, on this next attempt, I, I got a great plan. It's part of his stealing a gun and, you know, and kidnapping someone. It's very elaborate. But it's great because in the second episode, they go to this, they, they go to some party they have every year, the slaves. And it's at this old white lady's house. And they're all just hanging out, clearly just having fun. It's not anything evil at all. It's like, this is a place where the slaves can... Have some food and unwind and be safe and no one will ever come in and go, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, but then at one point, the eldest Hodge says to the other guy who's like the slave, what I don't know what they would call him, the slave master, the black slave who was in charge of the other slaves. He comes up to me and goes, listen, here's the plan. She doesn't just do this out of goodness of her heart. At some point, she's going to come, one of her guys is going to come down and tap one of us on the shoulder and we're going to have to go upstairs and service her. And, he's, and it's clear, oh, that's why this lady does it. Because yeah. they show her sitting on her balcony with her staff or whatever. And she's clearly enamored of the African culture. Yeah. So it's all about that. And and you're like, wow, this they couldn't even just that, do something nice for, yeah. for, the, for the slaves without having to get something out of it. Which, you know, because uh, one woman talks about how she was a breeder. How they put her in a breeding camp. Where her job as a slave was to have babies and and that all the house slaves are all very light skinned and it's really like i said it's fucking so, disturbing so this show's not pulling any punches no man like. it's then this is why i want to bring it up because this is all stuff that i've you know i've read about in right? the history but i've never actually it, seen yeah in, even like 12 you, years a slave doesn't <laughs> yes. get into those sorts of details it's like, yeah because it, like intellectually you you learn about it all american yeah. kids learn about slavery obviously and that it's terrible and Abe Lincoln and blah, blah, blah. But because, you know, as a society, we have convinced ourselves that will never happen again. We all are okay with it. Unlike, say, Auschwitz or the Holocaust, you know, there are still, and uh, I'm one of them, and there are still plenty of people who see that's not too far off. That That's yeah. not too ridiculous that yeah. it happened. You know, slaves, it's a little different. You know, uh, white man went over to Africa captured them like they were animals and brought them back and they didn't speak their language and all that crap. But, you know, throwing, you know, uh, old Jewish people in ovens, <laughs> that's that's just flat out cruel. Yeah. You know, that's not business. That's bad. So, yeah, it's, it's just, it's fucking crazy to watch the show and see, oh my God, because they make a point of putting in things that you didn't realize or didn't really connect about slavery. 
uh, in the second episode, Reed Diamond goes down to the wine cellar and him and the head house lady do it. And it's clear they've been doing it for years. And every young, light-skinned slave on that plantation is clearly his child. But she's in charge while they're doing it. Like, at one point, she slaps him and says, you don't touch me until I tell you to. Because that's the relationship they yeah, have. Yeah. And it's fucking great. It's it's really fascinating to watch. Uh, Clark Peters, I think, is the actor you you're talking about. Yeah. Played Lester on the Lester. Wire. That's him, yep. And I thought you were talking about Lance Reddick. Yeah, right. Not Lance so, Reddick. Right. Yeah, when you said fringe, I realized that's I know, who you meant. Uh, somebody was probably yelling at their oh, their iPhone. I'm sure they were. Screaming the name Clark Peters. That's why David does that. Honestly, for those of you at home, there are times when I'm talking for a long stretch of time and it, it's not always just because I'm talking <laughs> but sometimes it's because David's looking shit up on his phone and I'm covering and then he'll go oh that was this guy but he does he honestly he does it because if he doesn't look it up it'll bother him the whole rest of the oh, show yeah. well and Are I, ju- like I just know as a podcast listener that mm. always bothers me when yeah. they're like what was the name of that one guy and I yeah I, and you're driving yeah. and yelling <laughs> yeah for sure all right well, let's talk about the Carmichael show yeah uh now Which- I was I had not seen until you, you said you were going to watch uh, this episode, and then I, I watched uh, the episode we're going to talk about and another mm-hmm. one on Hulu. So. Yeah, because there was a whole but, first season of this that people didn't know about. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah. realize they were into the second season at this point. It was, uh, it was on during the summer, last summer, Okay, and it was this and the uh, Mr. Robinson, that Craig Robinson sitcom, gotcha. which was terrible. That's what I heard. Yeah, yeah, it was really bad. There was funny guys on it, including him. But it was just, it was a corny piece of shit teacher's show. But then a half hour later was this show, The Carmichael Show, that no one had heard about, starring a dude nobody's ever heard of. (laughs) I mean, you know, I just, I I know of Gerard Carmichael just from doing comedy and I but we're know, comedians his, yeah exactly the rest so, of America has no idea who and you know I knew he's a funny guy and when I heard he that he was getting a show the reaction was like oh that's great so good for him right and then yeah and then I never actually because saw it, so yeah because out of all the comedians who have ever had their own show what 20% of them are successful and, yeah or yeah. even good and this one that they're showing during the summer you're like yeah it's probably won't be good so nobody watched it but Critics were like, this is actually a good show. And obviously NBC picked it up and showed it in a better, even though it wasn't on in the fall, spring is better than summer. Yeah. So that was pretty good. But the show, the funny thing to me is, even if you don't know who Gerard is or find him funny, there's Lil, Lil what's his name? Lil Rel? Lil yeah. Rel Howley, who is a comedian, also stand-up comedian. And he's a very different kind of funny than Gerard is. Then you got yeah. Loretta Devine, who's great. Who's, yeah, it's... I. Was really impressed with the cast. Like, yeah, I, right. I loved everybody in the show. She's again, and she's funny, and she's different yeah. than anyone else on TV. And then to top it off, David Allen Greer fucking murders it. Yeah, no, unbelievably funny, right? Yeah, it's crazy to me. And again, you probably grew up watching In Living Color. Yeah, definitely. Uh, when I was in college, I watched it and thought this guy Don Nosol Simmons, he's pretty funny. Did you ever see Amazon Women on the Moon? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's and I was like, this guy's killing it, and. It's almost like since then, there hasn't been a decent thing for him to do. There hasn't been a decent project for him. He's had his own sitcom and been in plenty of movies. And he was on the Bonnie Hunt show and all this stuff. But this he show... Played, this uh, was he the lion in the live version of oh, his yeah. a couple months ago? That's right. Um, yeah. So plenty it's of like, good he's, roles. He's been, I think, working pretty steadily. Absolutely. But and, nothing and that I he really... And I think doing some, some uh, Broadway stuff as well. He does mm-hmm. a lot of theater. Yeah, he's but great. He's, yeah. But this is clearly the role... 
he was meant to play. Yeah. So he's basically like, you know, a, a black Archie Bunker. Exactly. He's not really racist, but he speaks but, his mind. Yeah. The sort of older school. Blue collar. Yeah, blue collar voice in the family. And that's that's actually yeah. something that really, I thought was really interesting about the show. Because usually, you, you know, when you have a show that's built around a single comedian, it's very much that comedian's voice. Absolutely. And, and I thought it was pretty impressive at least based on like the couple of episodes that i saw that mm-hmm. it, it's gerard is, is almost like a he's an ensemble player in his own show it's a lot like and andy griffith show yeah. in that way yeah because like you so, watch andy griffith show and andy griffith is the least interesting funny person on that show yeah everyone around him however is hilarious and it's yeah. kind of the same way not that gerard's not funny because he says plenty of funny yeah. stuff and, but and he has good lines and stuff but it's almost like he's the the straight man in this his this universe yeah well so, I, and it's when I first watched it, I compared it to Seinfeld. I said it's like a black Seinfeld, mainly because Gerard Carmichael is a terrible actor, just like Jerry Seinfeld. They have that in common. But <laughs> then he surround, they surround him with Broadway-level actors, yeah. you know, like fucking Loretta Devine, just like uh, Jason Alexander and people <laughs> yeah. like that. And then you put in someone who you know is going to deliver every scene they're in, just like Michael Richards did. So, But truth is, truth is, I think it's more like a black Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah. Even though he, there's no little kids on it, but it's because it's him and his parents, just like Raymond, and then his girlfriend, who's supposed to be the normal one, but she's even she's nuts too, yeah. just like they all are. And then you got the brother, and and I really like Tiffany Haddish. Uh, I saw her on At Midnight, and then I saw her on the show. She plays the sister-in-law, yeah. Laurel's ex, and she's not in every episode, but man, she's funny. I like her a lot. And it, I like how every character is different, like the way a good sitcom should be. Yeah. Right? Like, unlike this fucking crowded thing where <laughs> they're all a bunch of white people being stupid, this is like real. It's real and it's funny. I'll give you an example. I talked about this a long time ago. When I, In the very first episode, I'm watching it, and the premise is Gerard and Maxine have moved in together, but he doesn't want to tell his parents because they're old school and you can't live together yeah. unless you're married. So they have a big fight about it. And the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, so is there is this old school blue collar family going to say something about the fact that one of her parents is clearly white? I mean, she's yeah. about the most light-skinned black woman on TV. It's obvious that one of her parents is fucking Peggy Lipton, is a ghost. <laughs> you know, the whitest woman or man ever. And I thought, I, I, I had to call bullshit. And I said, if they, if they don't at least acknowledge it, it's bullshit. And I'm watching it. And at one point, she says, here, I brought some wine. And Loretta Devine's like, oh, it's white? And she goes, oh, yeah, I prefer white. And David <laughs> Allen Greer goes, so did your daddy. And I was like, shit, he did it. And then they had another joke in the next episode. Uh, everybody comes over to their place. And she's like, uh, oh, did you? Loretta Devine's like, did you repaint? And he goes, yeah, you know, Maxine's family can never pick a color. I was like, damn. And he says it like not even a burn, just like, yeah. ha this is something we all joke about. And that's the way it would be. Yeah. Because, yeah. yes, you love this woman, by all means, bring her into our family. But we're going to mention that one of her parents is white. We've got to mention it. Just like we're going to mention how our other son's a complete failure. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. And for some reason, his ex wife can just walk in whenever she wants. So all that is realistic and it's super funny to me. And as I watch it, I realize. There hasn't been a sitcom that's been, like, really worth a shit in a long, long time. You know? It's like, when was the last time you, you can remember watching a sitcom that just kind of hit all cylinders? You know what I mean? 
it's I don't know. It's, yeah, it's been a while. Particularly uh, a multicam sitcom, which right, like, and, as, and on a network. Yeah, which like as a as a format, I had it's sort of all but given up on. Like I find them very Absolutely. hard to watch. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, maybe some episodes of How I Met Your Mother in the first few seasons. Yeah, which isn't um, even traditionally multicam because I know yeah, they, they they never they, used an audience. Yeah, and they sort of definitely kind of played with that form. And they had a million a lot, yeah. sets, too. Yeah. I think that's why they never had an audience. Because, yeah. like, one show, they would have six different sets. Exactly. Whereas this one, it's their apartment, the house. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I, I, I think even that episode we... Oh, no. That the episode we watched, two sets. Oh, and they were in a car, too. Yeah. So Which three. Which just a car on a green screen. Obviously. That was, but, yeah, just yeah. sitting in the front and of a car. I watched one other episode where... David Allen Greer's father passes away. Right. And there's with like Marla a few Gibbs. Moments. Yeah. And again, that's Which, probably three sets. Yeah. And I was really impressed with that episode. Great. Well. So, yeah. That one was great, I, too. I noticed that uh, they even do the old school... Uh, the Carmichael show is filmed in front of a live studio audience yep. at the beginning. So yeah. Right. And it's got a nice theme song. Like, yeah. an, a whole theme song that introduces the cast. It's a good... I don't even want to say an old... It's a good old school sitcom because that's not old school that's the way it's a traditional sitcom yeah but the main thing that makes it a sitcom is the calm part it's fucking super funny so let's talk about the the plot of this episode for people who didn't see it uh because i got a text from an old friend of mine who uh we're we're still very close but uh he's the spiritual uh the unofficial spiritual guide he was the unofficial spiritual guide of the old paul goebel show (laughs) is what he was but uh, uh, he uh, he sent me a text that said, please talk about this Cosby episode. And, and I didn't know they were doing one. So I said, oh, that sounds good. And I looked it up and I saw, okay, this is going to be an episode where black people talk about what Bill Cosby did. I have to watch this, right? Because yeah. I'm sure just like you, when the truth finally came out about Bill Cosby, you were devastated. Heartbroken, right? And I, I feel like crying right now. I, it's like, something I rarely talk about because it honestly was like hearing. And I'm sure some of some of you people listening have had this experience. So I apologize for being so flip about it, but it felt like a close family member had been accused of raping someone or molesting a child or something like that. And it, that's never yeah. happened to me. But I, that's honestly, I thought this is what it must feel like when you grow up and realize. Oh, Uncle Bill was a child molester. That's what because there's a comedian who I think we both know. I won't say his name, but he found he's an adult and he's in his twenties. He found out his dad was a full-on child molester, raping children, uh, luring them in. He was a 100% predator, and he had to face that about his dad. But and but he couldn't just 100% go, "Wow, my dad's an asshole. I hate yeah. him." Because yeah. then he thought, "Well, if my dad had just lived his truth." And been uh, a dude who liked young men, maybe not boys, but liked young men and lived that way in a legal, free way. He's like, but then I wouldn't be here. So I still have to be, he's still my dad. Yeah. You know, and I was like, when I heard that, I just, it blew my mind. I was like, thank God that's not me. Yeah. So it was like that. Again, and, and, it's not the big deal. It's not the, quite the same thing, but. And that for, for me personally as well, and, and I don't know, possibly you as a comedian, and I think for a lot of comedians, the, the whole thing with Cosby is yeah. is so painful. Not just because he's somebody that you know we grew up watching in TV and movies, and you know he was America's right. dad and all of that, right. but he was uh, so important and influential to just to me. Me too. As yeah. you know, as a comedian, as like he was the first person that 
this is this is my my Bill Cosby story. Is that when I was a little kid, <laughs> I had my my tonsils out. Okay. And shortly after, I went to see uh, went to my grandmother's house for Christmas or Thanksgiving or something, and my grandmother. So like, oh, you just had your tonsils out. Have you ever heard Bill Cosby's oh. tonsils routine? And I was like, I and the, I think this was Ugh. young enough. I was young enough that I think this was even pre Cosby Show. So I didn't, yeah, yeah. I didn't know who Bill Cosby was, and I was like, yeah. I don't understand the words that you're saying. And she's like, Well, come here, let me. And she like sits me down and puts you know these big old brown headphones, uh-huh. cover your whole ear headphones on me, and puts on uh, wonderfulness. It's wonderfulness, yeah, yeah. That has the and then like I just sit there and listen to that whole album like front to back right and it just just killed me and yeah. i you know and i just i loved it you're telling so my much. story and and yep. it's it was also it's like the first time first time i ever heard bill cosby and then it was the first time that i became aware that there is somebody whose job it is to just tell funny stories. For me, and it I, was it was even beyond that because I listened to that and Why Is There Air over and yeah. over again. I would literally yeah. listen to one side, then the other, and switch. And my grandmother, yeah, she had like wonderfulness. Why is there air to my brother Russell with whom, whom I, I slept, slept and, yes. and a, a couple of others? And then it was just like I would just sit there and like listen to them for hours. And those are legit hours, funny. Yeah. You don't even have to be a fan. It's like yeah. it's, no, I, they're some of the best comedy records ever recorded, without a doubt. And yeah, and I was the exact same way. And for me, it was like, wait a minute, he just, and not even jokes. He can't even say he told jokes because he tells stories in a funny way. They're certainly yeah. joke ish, but he's not a, you know, when you're a kid, you think a joke is set up punchline or yeah. knock knock who's there or a riddle of some sort. But he's showing you what comedy really is. And, you know, and I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of people, I mean, we've just proved it. Two young men listened to Bill Cosby <laughs> when they were little, and they grew up to achieve their dream. Maybe not as successful as they would like, but it's still. <laughs> we tell jokes in front of people who willingly sit there and listen, and occasionally they enjoy it. Yeah. That's a huge thing. And every now and again, there's money involved. And every once in a while, you go, wow, I can actually get paid for this. And Bill Cosby showed us that. And then, of course, in the 80s, when we were all like, wow, TV sucks. Different strokes and facts of life. These shows are bullshit. And then along comes a show starring this dude who the show is basically based on his life. And it yeah. doesn't talk down to anybody. It's about a black family, but they're very affluent. You know, it's not good times. All the kids are um, cute, but they're not precocious. And it introduces us to the beautiful Lisa yeah. Bonet. And <laughs> it changed our lives. And again, he, and he's like a sitcom dad. He's the sitcom dad. Like, we all had a sitcom dad, where it was Alan Thicke or someone like that. But Cosby was pretty much the guy for all of us. Yeah. And speaking as a white man, I can say it felt good to know, hey, I can identify with some black people on TV. <laughs> so maybe we aren't all that different. You know, it wasn't yeah. like <clears throat> watching Good Times or any other so-called black sitcom where you went, oh, this is what black people do, huh? Hmm, interesting. <laughs> but that one, it was just, yeah, and they... and. Black friends and white friends and everybody's funny and everyone's great. And I honestly always felt that Bill Cosby played a huge role in race relations in this country. Oh, I mean, definitely. Right? Being the first black man to win an Emmy uh, on I Spy, being one of the first black people on TV in a position of authority at all. Uh, you know that was a, that was a huge. <laughs> they even deal. allude to that in the the Carmichael episode, where 
was it she hands the like the reading is Wikipedia page? Uh-huh. Yeah, because the yeah the one year old doesn't know what has yeah happened. Tiffany yeah, like, and she's saying all these great yeah. things he, he's like, done. Oh, I know who's the first black lead on a white <laughs> Yeah, and it's crazy to see that, and yeah. and and so a guy like so my thought was I would love to know what Gerard Carmichael thinks about this because yeah. he's a little young. He's probably closer to your age. Yeah. I'm saying he's more likely your age than mine, but he's. Uh, but he's a black guy who clearly was enamored of Bill Cosby, like all comedians are. But he probably didn't listen to his records like we did. Uh, he probably had a lot more comedians to choose from growing up who he loved. But still, I'm sure his parents and his uncles and aunts and everybody said, yeah, yeah you want to be the next Bill Cosby, right? Even though they didn't, they just used that as almost like a placeholder. Yeah. Gerard's going to grow up to be the next Bill Cosby. And so he did that, and he says to himself, "Yes, I did it. I have my own sitcom. I'm a I'm a touring comedian. Uh, you know, just Daniel Tosh is Robert Culp, and I'm Bill Cosby." <laughs> is kind of what he said, right? And I would imagine that was devastating for him when he realized he couldn't be the next Bill Cosby, yeah, because he'd have to rape fifty well, women. That yeah, that you don't want to be the next right? Bill Cosby. Please stop yeah. calling me the next. You know, Orlando Jones. Yeah, yeah. For a long time, people called him OJ because <laughs> those are his initials. And then he stopped. He told people, "Don't call me OJ anymore, please." You know, it, it happens. So, but this is why I like. I thought it was brilliant uh, to get to the meat of this episode because it wasn't just about lamenting. Man, we're also sad that one of our heroes betrayed us. It was basically an episode about where do you draw the line? Yeah. And what I liked is right at the very beginning, Gerard makes it clear: "I got you tickets to go see Bill Cosby. I'm psyched." And Maxine says, no, we're not going. He's like, oh, come on. Yes, he's a rapist, but he's a great comedian. And I was like, well, I wouldn't go see Bill Cosby now because I wouldn't enjoy it, mainly. Yeah. I'd sit there and be so upset I couldn't enjoy it. But it, I can understand why someone might go, well, I'm still going to go see him. He's not in jail yet. Like they say, he's never been arrested. Yeah. He hasn't been convicted. Of no one's been convicted. Yeah. He is innocent until proven guilty. But, like, but again, like David Allen Greer says, well... He's innocent until proven guilty. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he did it, but <laughs> yeah, and 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 it gets and from then on it gets very layered, you know, very uh, all kinds of different. Like I'm offended by this, but not this. The best one being when uh, Tiffany Haddish says, "Oh, I don't have an iPhone." Because they little kids make those in slave shops, yeah. And Maxine takes her <laughs> like iPhone, slips it back into her purse, right? Yeah. Even Maxine, and who's like, supposed to be the moral compass of that show, yeah, she has a fucking iPhone. Yeah. I don't have an iPhone. I've never had an iPhone. I think Apple's a bullshit company. I've <clears throat> the only i the only Apple product I have is my uh, old school uh, iPod, video iPod. That's the size <laughs> of an iPhone. Um, but I say, but I don't fucking like Apple. It has nothing to do with their sweatshots. I, I just think they're a shit company. But you draw the line where you draw the line. Yeah. And I thought that was, uh, that was great. Uh, what was, now, I, the thing I, what for me was great was watching it and thinking, and, and like going, like, uh, yeah, I can see their point. But then the next thing they say, you go, ooh, I don't know. I'm not down with that. But that was the whole show. Yeah. Like, would you do this? Like, yeah. Or would you do that? It's like, would you still go see a Woody Allen movie? Right? And, yeah. yeah, they a million of them. And even then, when Gerard and his dad are driving to the show, his dad even says, eh, I changed my mind. Yeah. I, I was down with it, but now I don't feel like going. So get out. And, he, and then he goes and buys a stolen coat <laughs> yeah. for his wife. And, and everybody knows. He's like, well, is, is it? 
Is it stolen if a $400 coat actually costs $60? <laughs> Clearly, yes. Yeah. And and but then Loretta Devine, again, who is like the angel of the show. She's the innocent. She goes, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. This coat is mine. <laughs> it's like, I told you, you need to draw your line. Right? And that's really what it all comes down yeah. to in this episode. Because, you know, whether or not... Whatever you think about Bill Cosby raping those women, it's pretty clear he did it. Yeah, and you, and which, and and I really like that the show didn't skirt around that. Right, there, no. there were a couple of lines that you could tell were kind of legal, made them add an allegedly Possibly here right. or there. But everybody across the board on that show, all of the characters, pretty much come out and say like it's yeah he did this. He, he, he and they have, and even then there's gradients. Whereas like. Maxine says, of course he did it. He's a terrible person. Gerard's like, well, I'm, I'm sure he did rape these women, but it's still Bill Cosby. I got to go see him. And then yeah. other people, are, and then it, they all have their different things. Like, well, yeah, yeah, he did it. But like little, little Rel, what's Bobby? Is that his character's yeah. name? He's more like, he's one of those dudes who honestly doesn't think about rape a lot because he's never known anyone who got raped. He certainly would never do it himself. He's never even thought about yeah. it. So, and then the character's just kind of thick. He's kind of a dumbass. Yeah. yeah, on top of all that. So he, so he's like the guy who goes, Bill Cosby raped women? Oh, that sucks. <laughs> and But he was yeah. never really going to see Bill Cosby anyways. Uh, it was really, and it was all believable. On top yeah. of all that, and, it was all very believable. I was also kind of blown away by the fact that, that all of this discussion was happening on NBC. Yeah. Which is Cosby's network. Like, right. That's... And and not just Cosby's network, but the network that made Cosby. He, I'm sorry, the guy who made the network number one. Yeah, at the time I mean, in the eighties, basically 80s, saved that network. Him and Brandon saved Tartikoff. sitcoms, sitcom, in general. Yeah, and, and created the whole idea of you know the whole musty TV Thursday, Thursday night. nights at eight yeah. o'clock. Everybody, why did the Simpsons move to Sunday? Because they were up against the Cosby show. Yeah. The juggernaut that is The Simpsons, longest running TV show, shows no signs of stopping, <laughs> had to move to Sunday nights. Bill Cosby got Magnum canceled. Magnum P.I., the highest rated show, Thursdays at 8. Along comes a Cosby, and guess what? No one's watching Magnum anymore. It was yeah. huge. And Because, I, I, like I said, at the time they had shit shows like Different Strokes and Facts of Life and bullshit dramas. But he came along, they said, we're going to revamp Brandon Tartikoff did it so we're going to revamp this network we're going to have a show about MTV cops we're going to have we're going to bring on some great ensemble shows like St. Elsewhere so we can relive the Hill Street Blues days and I got fucking Bill Cosby because you see that now every summer or every fall there's a network that goes look who's back yeah and it's like we, Kevin James's new sitcom or whoever's new sitcom and of course rarely does it work out as we've seen with Jason Alexander and Fran Drescher and so many yeah, or, or others. even Bill Cosby's post Cosby show Cos- Cosby right? Cosby yeah. or the Cosby Mysteries or any of the other <laughs> right like yeah or Little Bill yeah well Cosby yeah because yeah that was, I remember CBS specifically says we got Cosby again and they call the show Cosby even though it's based on this English show called One Foot in One Foot in the Grave yeah uh, but yeah it changed the network and made NBC what it was and. Then, you know, all of a sudden on Thursday, there's Cheers and Night Court and fucking Friends eventually yeah. and Seinfeld and all the great sitcoms we grew up watching. And yeah, and so for NBC to say, yeah, let them say what they're going to say about Cosby, it's a big deal. Not just because, 
I'm sure there's still people there who remember Cosby fondly, but also because like, like Subway will never talk about Jared ever again yeah, yeah. for obvious reasons <laughs> that like, not even like, yeah, we're really sorry about the Jared thing. They won't even <laughs> say that. But for, so NBC to, for them to say, yeah, it's regrettable that, you know, this guy had a show on our network forever and we all loved him. Turned out he was raping women the entire time. There yeah. were women who came to work on that show for a day and afterwards he said, hey, come over to my house. And then he raped them. You know, there are probably people at NBC who, who when you hear about the woman, they reckon, they remember her face. Yeah. You know, they're like, ugh, I remember yeah. her. And, and the, I mean, by all accounts... People knew what was happening, or if they didn't know the full extent, they knew that Cosby the guy was the, was a creep, and the, yeah. the shady Sometimes, business was going down. Yeah, it's like, that there was a that? lot of like, maybe you shouldn't go hang out in his trailer, right? But again, and who's going to say no to yeah. that? Especially a young woman who you know it's hard enough for young women in Hollywood. A guy like Bill Cosby who tells young men to pull up their pants. Yeah, you know, he says, "I can help you with your career." Then you say yes, of course. And it's sad because once you realize what he's done, it's too late. As uh, what's her name, Beverly, uh, what's her name said, she, uh, as soon as she drank the coffee, she was like, oh, you just drugged me. And it was too yeah. late. There's nothing you could do about that. So this is, uh, 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 I'm glad we watched it. It was, it was a big I deal. I too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like you said, the episode that was on after that, the funeral, was great because it was, it was, yeah. it was basically about how Drod's grandfather, David Allen Greer's dad, was a piece of shit. And even yeah, though an abusive drunk, he was an abusive drunk who abandoned them. them. Yeah, and even though he says, "Yeah, I used to see him. We used to run into each other a lot, <laughs> and we were cordial." Is that a Wetzel's pretzel? Yeah. yeah. Can you bring that in here? I don't know. And then uh, we walked away. And then we walked away. <laughs> Funny as shit. But again, in the black community, that's that's not uncommon for men to walk out on their families, uh, but still be in that community. It's not like they run away. They just say, you're on your own now. Um, at least, you know, back in the day, it was it was fairly common. Dude, white guys just go to Florida. That's... <laughs> yeah. They, they don't pick up their phone anymore. Yeah. Um, but then for him to say, well, yeah, he was a terrible person, but this is what we do. I got to give a eulogy. We got to have a thing. And I thought it was, it was funny to me because that episode, nobody agreed. Like in the Cosby one, kind of everybody was like, Every time someone made a point, everyone would go, hmm, like, yeah. can they get on him? But the funeral one, everybody would, nobody agreed. You know, Drog was like, fuck this old man. Let's talk yeah. about what a dickhead he was. And Maxine was like, I can't even be in a room with a dead body. She had a problem <laughs> yeah. with dead bodies. Everybody had their opinion on it. And it wasn't until Marla Gibbs, playing Dag's mom, came in, which was awesome already. Yeah. Like, to save her for the very end like that, that is a that ballsy was, yeah. move. Bring in fucking the woman from the Jeffersons in 227, and you save her to the end on a black sitcom? I mean, that's a big deal. Uh, and I, I, w I was watching that on my iPad with headphones on, and you can actually hear, like, murmuring in the live studio audience. Yeah, I'm sure. In, of, of like, is that, is that, yeah, that's what that's yeah. Yeah, it's, Right? Like, older people going, <gasps> Yeah. Because also she's, I mean, she's really old, so you could easily not recognize her. Yeah. Someone could go, that's fucking Florence. You know, exactly. and you're like, oh my it's God, that it's is like You can tell that's what's happening in the live studio audience. Yeah, because unlike other times on a sitcom where 
a big star comes in. Everybody yeah, yeah there's no big shit. like applause break. Because I don't think they told them. I don't think they yeah. said with Marla Gibbs and was here. Or maybe it, they just said don't do that. Yeah, and it, it would have ruined that moment. Yeah. So it's a really lovely moment. I, I bet what happened, because they used to do that on Seinfeld. Later on, they used to say, listen, mm-hmm. when Michael comes through the door, quiet. Yeah. We don't need you guys to go <laughs> go crazy because we don't have time for that. So I bet that happened. She came out and everybody went, woo! And the director said, okay, we're going to shoot this again. But this is a somber scene, so let everybody yeah. be quiet. I bet that's what happened. But that was a great scene because she said, yep, your father was an asshole. But this is his funeral, so let's just get through it. Let's move on. And I love you, and you love me, and we're a family. It, it is amazing to me that a show like this can still exist. Yeah. In this world when so many shows are so high concept. I was just looking at a list of shows that got canceled this year. Minority Report and bullshit like that. You know, and they're based on these movies that really no one saw, and they're so oh, complicated. A lot of people saw Minority Report. Did they really? It was yeah, that was a big hit. Oh, and they were a lot of people were disappointed though. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I have problems with that movie. That movie, <laughs> I fucking hate that movie. Is what I hate. I, I mean, we we can get into it later, but yeah, it, okay. it has like these very weird tonal shifts where yeah, it's like this very serious. Philip K. Dick sci-fi thing, and then right? it goes like very broad slapstick comedy all of a sudden, kind of and like like Total Recall does. But like Total Recall, I think it works. Yeah, like when it gets ridiculous, you kind of enjoy it. Like RoboCop's the same way. Yeah, but that yeah, fuck, I hate it. <laughs> report. I just hate the whole idea. They say these precogs only they have a limited. Yes, this is the other thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like they say they have a limited range, and that there's only three of them, and they're the product of this. Drug that the parents were on, that, which yeah, it's that an doesn't exist anymore. They cannot recreate it. But then the whole plot of the movie is like we're taking this national. How, yeah, exa- how, how are you going to do that? It's like are you going to put them in a blimp and just like right? fly them back and forth? It, and it's one thing like if they hadn't said we're limited in our scope. If they hadn't yeah. given all that back, or, or even if they were just like, well, we've got this <laughs> machine that that right? limits them. We're going to switch it off if this bill passes. Isn't that the key yeah. to all bad or rather good sci-fi with a bad premise? Like the, you know what makes time travel possible in Back to the Future? The flux capacitor. Right. And how does it work? Who gives a shit? Exactly. (laughs) Marty goes, what's this? It's the flux capacitor. What's that? It's what makes time travel possible. Sweet. (laughs) He doesn't say how. He goes, sweet. And that's the end of it because, of course, it breaks down right there because time travel is not possible. That's, you know, you got to fucking finesse that part. You got to smooth that rough edge. Uh, all right. Well, uh, are you going to continue watching Carmichael? Like, is it on your DVR now? Um, I don't. Well, actually, I am a I am a cord cutter, so I'm woohoo. <laughs> I have I can't. I have res- ultimate respect for people with bravery to cut the cord. Um, I can't do but, it. But uh, but yeah, I think uh, you know I think it's going to become a more regular part of my viewing because I, I I was really impressed with the two episodes that I saw, and like I said, I don't. Uh, watch a lot of multicam sitcoms. Yeah. Well, there aren't a lot on anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a good show to watch like that because you turn it on in the morning and it's on Hulu first thing in the morning yeah. and they're showing two episodes at a time. So it's like, yeah, it's it's funny. It's light. Again, it's about you get... Uh, if you're a white guy like me, you get to watch some black people and feel like <laughs> feel like you have black friends. I said... Uh, we did the Batman reunion last week uh-huh. at, at, at Nerd Melt and... <laughs> While we were hanging out here, getting ready to go, Brooke says to me, because there was two cat women in the show. There was Julie Newmar and, and Lee Merriweather. Yeah. And Brooke says well, to me... Well, there's a kit as well. Right. right. That- but in the show we did, in okay. the reunion, we just had someone being Lee Merriweather and Julie Newmar. So Brooke says, why don't you have a woman be Eartha Kit? 
And I said, because I don't know any black people. <laughs> and she goes, well, you could find out. You could, like, ask some people. And I went, yeah. But by asking people, I'm basically admitting I don't know any black people. <laughs> That's the point. I'm not upset that I don't know black people, even though I am. But I'm more upset that people would know that I don't know any black people. Because, of course, yes, I have friends who are black. But, like most white guys my age, I don't hang out with them. And it's dumb. And I feel guilty about it. And if I knew, uh, like, a super really funny black woman who I was friends with. Like, if I knew Danielle Radford a little bit better, I probably yeah. would have asked her to do it. Because she's great and funny. But I, I, we're not, like, we don't hang out. Regardless. So I said that at the show. I said that out loud. <laughs> Total silence. Everyone was like, cricket. I just went, awkward. But, uh, but it was fun. Oh, and this is what I wanted to bring up. Speaking of the drawing the line thing, uh, a transgender comedian who we were both friends with okay. uh, did my show. And afterwards, we were all hanging out and having some food. And something came up about making choices. And she said to me and Brooke and my friend Jim, uh, she said, yeah, you know, I ate at Chick-fil-A on the way here just because I was in a hurry and I was really hungry. And honestly, had if anyone else had said that to me... I probably would have went, what the fuck is wrong with you? Because I've said that to so many close friends of mine. Yeah. Why are you eating at that place? First of all, the food's not that good. Uh, second of all, it's... Well, ju- it's not good enough to wait in a, in a line No, for. that's what I'm saying. In the world of fast food, yeah. it's no better than anything else. In fact, it's just as bad and as bad for you. Yeah. So, like, there are some... Like, in and out if somebody told me, listen... You can't eat it in and out anymore because of this moral thing. I would have a problem with it because it's fucking delicious. But Chick-fil-A, fuck that. But for her to say, oh, I ate there. And for me to have to sit there and go, oh, really? You (laughs) ate there? And you were born a dude. And now you're a woman. And you fight that every day. And every time someone misgenders you, you fucking cry about it. And you're on hormones. And your life is crazy. But you that's where you drew the line today. And it was funny because even my wife, you know, a woman, was forced to go, oh, I can't really say anything. It's not my place. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, when you're a white man, you do that all day long. Yeah. You go, eh, it's not my place to say anything. I can't do it. So then, it, but then, like, white women can say stuff. And then black dudes and then black women. You know what I mean? Like, everybody, <laughs> like, can speak the on The hierarchy something. of who can say something. Who can be outraged, yeah. right? So what business do I have being outraged that this transgender woman decided to just drive through Chick-fil-A? So, of course, nobody said anything. And it wasn't a big deal. And she was fine with it. But I, I brought it up to Brooke afterwards. And she was like, yeah, I was shocked by that. But it was funny. Watching this episode, I thought, oh, that's exactly what she did. She's like, yeah, it's... Uh, it, it's just a thing. It's a choice you make, and we make those choices every single day. Yeah, and uh, and I think if anything, at least even if it gets you to to think about it, to think, well, I shouldn't be doing this, but I got to. And the fact that I feel bad about it really says something about me and America and blah blah. At least if you acknowledge that, you know, you're doing something, and just having a conversation about it is a big deal, and, and you know. I don't know. I feel a lot of white guilt. I'm sure you do too. <laughs> I I do. And yeah. Uh, this, maybe this is a different conversation, but now I'm, I'm <laughs> also go, like going in my head th- in through in my head. It's okay if you're a, a member of the LGBTQ community. Like, is could you turn going to get food into at Chick Fil A into sort of a a radical act? Like, is that you putting your thumb in the eye? Of the man, well, I'm saying like, well, yeah, you know, I could it's see that. in a lot of ways, you know, certainly the the gay marriage 
issue has been, I mean, is settled law at this point, obviously. Right, it's but still. still an issue and people in, still have problems. In L.A., but, it's not such a big deal. Yeah. I mean, because it's right, the one here, for those of you who don't know, is fucking in the heart of Hollywood. Yeah. And pl- and plenty of Hollywood. It is filled to the brim with Hollywood liberals on a yeah. daily basis. And, and I would bet if you pulled the people that work there, most of them are probably fine with gay marriage. Exactly. You know. And I would say at the Hollywood Chick Fil A, <laughs> right? I would say a bit. Uh, there's a small portion of them who really have no idea about the politics of Chick Fil A, and they just are there for food. There's a bigger popular. There's a bigger section who know all about it, but don't give a fuck because they work close by and make minimum wage. So this is their lunch on a daily basis. And then there's people who just don't give a fuck about anything. Yeah. When you say, "Hey, did you know Chick Fil A?" They go fuck off and walk away. Yeah. So yeah, it's not like. If two gay guys walked in there holding hands and ate there and made out, honestly, that Chick-fil-A, I don't think anyone would give a fuck. Yeah. You know? And this, and this, you know, our friend who we're talking about, if she were to walk in, uh, nobody would give her a second look. If she were to walk in and get her food and walk out, I don't think anybody would care. It wouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. But still, I think for me as a straight, cisgendered, white male, like... no, I feel like I feel like I don't. There, there's just no wiggle room for me. Like, no, I can't, exactly. I can't go wow. in and and say like I'm doing this because gay marriage is legal <laughs> and my side won. So fuck right. you, buddy. Yeah, like it. it somehow no. it doesn't feel right. It's yes, because and it's not because we. It's not because we're taking a stand or trying to be good people. It's all about guilt and fear because we don't want <laughs> our uh, gay or transgendered or black friends to go. Really, you ate at a Chick Fil A and be disappointed in us? I, I honestly, I don't speak for Paul, but as an old white man, the guilt I feel about that is too much. I grew up uh, in a country where white men fucking ruled it, and I thought I was part of that. Now, when I'm almost fifty and I see the world, my daughters are growing up, and I realize I was a huge problem. I was a big part of that problem when I was in my twenties and thirties. So I have a lot of guilt about that. And, and I imagine—I mean, I, I don't know a ton about your history, but I imagine you know it's not like you were out at clan rallies or burning crosses or anything. But <laughs> no, just going about your yes. daily life as a, as yes. a straight white person. Exactly, you were causing problems that you didn't even. I didn't even realize. know about. Yeah. yeah, and more importantly, as a man, I mean, when yeah. I, you know, I like I said, I got you know uh, racial equality hammered into me as a kid growing up in Michigan. But as a man growing up in a family with three men and one woman, and then dating women, and you know, no one ever sitting me down and going. You are really, really a misogynist asshole. You need to stop doing that. I didn't even know what that word meant when I was a kid, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I knew what racist meant. Yeah. I, but I didn't know what sexist or misogynist meant. So, yeah, that, that's a problem. Luckily, my kids don't live in that world. But, yeah, I have a lot of guilt about that. So I'm not going to fucking eat a Chick-fil-A or any <laughs> other horse shit. Uh, there's so many restaurants like that. All right, let's uh, move on to trivia. Oh, we talked about that for a long time. Let's yes. move on to trivia for this episode. Now, last episode, David asked a question. Uh, his trivia question was about, oh, we talked about MC Ganey. You know who he is? Yes. Mr. I, Friendly. I know who MC... MC Ganey, um, there are certain actors uh, that I have in my head where if you asked me their names, <laughs> I would not be able to tell you. But then if you said MC Ganey, I can rattle off... Three or four right. movies that he's been in. Yeah, he works a lot. And it's uh, 
My favorite, personally, he was uh, Swamp Thing, the pilot in Con Air. Right, uh, they called him Swamp Thing. He was great in that. My favorite is uh, Sideways. Yes. He's the guy who's having sex with the woman that uh, Thomas Hayden Church had sex with previously and chases them out. So you see his wiener (laughs) in that movie. You see MC Ganey, Mr. Friendly's wiener. And, of course, he was Mr. Friendly on Lost. Yes. Probably his Uh, greatest Also drove the bus in the Country Bears movie. But as a dude, not as a bear. No, yes, as a dude. But did they not call as him as bear, like as a joke? Was that his nickname? Because <laughs> that was that was your trivia thing last week. Uh, I don't. <laughs> That's right, the bear. The bear. Thing. Um, I don't. Uh, no. That seems like something they do in bear. that shitty movie. Yeah. Like everyone else has a regular name, but we call the man bear. Yeah. Like, it's just a nickname. Uh, but anyways, the question was, what movie is he and a bunch of people in? The, uh, the answer was Wild Hogs. <laughs> which is yep. probably one of the worst movies ever. Uh, and a bunch of people got it right. But the first person who got it right said, don't even give me credit. I'm embarrassed that I knew it. <laughs> so I won't say her name. Uh, but the guy who got it right is Bob Lemon, who is a fan and a guy who listens to the show. Look, here's you. A guy who listens to the show every week, and he always writes us and tells us his thoughts on the show and what we watch. So uh, congratulations to you, Bob. I'll send you a prize. We'd love to hear from you. You have a trivia question this week? Uh, I do. Okay, let's try. Uh, related it. to Daredevil season two. All right. Uh, so Charlie Cox, who plays Daredevil on the show, kind of got his. I think one of his first kind of breakthrough roles in the states, at least, was on Boardwalk Empire. Right. Old timey gangster show. Mm-hmm. Um, new cast member this season uh, is it John Bernthal yep. playing the Punisher? Yeah. Uh, also was on an old-timey gangster show. Yes. Um, Mob City. Yes. Right? Because that was also a... Was that also... Who was the guy behind that? And who was uh, also it was Frank Walking Darabont. Dead? Frank Darabont, that's what it was. Showrunner, first season of The Walking Dead, which I think is the yeah. connection. Because I remember Bernthal, after he got killed off, he was on shows talking about getting killed off, but he was really there to talk about this new show he's doing, which sadly was a piece of shit. Uh... It was a great idea, yeah, and it looked great. But man, it was really good cast. Fucking, it was a win. Dana Gould, Dana Gould being dramatic. It was very interesting. Just wasn't good. It wasn't. And and then they did another shitty one on TN because that was on TNT, right? Uh, yes, I think that was TNT. And then they did Public Morals. Is that what it was called with Ed? uh, What's his name? I always want to say Ed Wood, but he's not Ed Wood. Ed Burns. <laughs> Ed, uh, yeah. And that show sucked also. These old-timey cop dramas are no good. I guess... Uh, Which, I mean, they're just... They're hard to do. Yeah. You know? Well, it's not since... It's what, like, what was that movie that Kim Basinger won uh, Oscar LA for? L.A. Confidential. Yeah. That's the that's the bar, yeah. right? If you can't yeah. be as good as L.A. Confidential... It's like they did uh, it. Gangster Squad a couple years ago. Was, oh, was right. I liked that, but... It was. It, I liked looking at it, but yeah, it yeah. didn't hold my interest. And it, it's th- that's one of those things where it's. I read the book that that movie is based on. Uh, where Gangster Squad. Gangster Squad. Uh-huh. Where kids, you know, all that's based on a true story, real life and, stuff. And, yeah. And the guy that wrote the book, like, actually interviewed a bunch of those guys that were actually really? on the Gangster Squad, and so you know, and it's all uh, fascinating <laughs> stuff. And then the the movie. Just kind of throws it all out the window for more traditional, like, yes, Tommy yeah. guns and. And I like gangster stuff. I mean, that's an important part of American history. I think some people think it's you know an embarrassing thing that we should forget about, but the mobsters, you know, it's yeah. it's a it's a big it's a big part of uh, the emigration story of America. Yeah. People coming over from Italy 
and uh, Ireland and all these other countries and realizing there is no place for them here, so they have to form gangs, basically. That's what Gangs in New York is, right? Yeah. No, that's pretty exactly. much it. So, yeah. So, but that's a good question, but of course I knew it because I'm the king <laughs> of TV. Um, but if you uh, want to share your thoughts about this show with me or any other show, write me at paul at thekingoftv.com, and I will happily uh, write you back. You can follow me on Twitter, at Paul Goebel Show. I get, do you get this? I get Twitter followers... Um, that are clearly porn bots every oh, day. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah, but they're clearly the same one, like the same pictures. And they all say this, hey, men's, do you want to watch more? <laughs> Write me at link. Yeah. And it's always like six or seven pictures of hot ladies, but they're always the same picture, even though it's a different name. And then I assume they go away. Is that, is that uh, like, does every dude get that on I, Twitter? I would have to guess. Do yeah. You, do you? Oh, yeah, I definitely get okay. this. All right, I guess, and also if you if you uh, uh, enjoy the pornography on your computer, which probably ninety nine point nine guys have done at some point in their life, they probably know that. So my lawyer has advised me not to answer that question on the grounds that it may incriminate me. <laughs> That's probably best. Yeah, um, and uh, you could be my friend on Facebook as always. And uh, LinkedIn, all that shit. I'm happy to be your friend. And uh, um, there was something else I wanted to bring up. But, oh, are you going to WonderCon? Uh, no, unfortunately. What? I am not. You're not? There's a lot of stuff happening next weekend. WonderCon and some kind of 420 day. The 420 games oh. are in Santa Monica next week. I got a free ticket. I might go. I hear they give out <laughs> free weed at that place. Um, can, but, you, can you do that? Can you give out free weed? If you if the person you're giving it to has a license as a recommendation, and you're at basically a show where that's the point, you're giving out okay. samples. Gotcha. That's okay as long as that person has a recommendation, and you're giving out what's called samples at a sanctioned event. Yes. Okay. But uh, they mostly give out edibles. But you're also on the internet, right? Yes. And if I people am. wanted to know about you, where should they go? Uh, well, Twitter, you can find me at Paul Cibis. That's C I B I S. Uh, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Paul Cibis. You'll be, you'll be our Facebook friend? Yeah, I will be your That's Facebook very nice friend of you. as long as you, you don't uh, tag me in photos of sunglasses God, or handbags. That. Yeah. I hate even seeing other friends being tagged in it. It's, it may- oh, yeah, no, it drives me crazy. Yeah, right. And, and it's, I thought we'd gotten past it. I did a too. A couple years ago there was a big rash of it where it was all like women's shoes for right. some reason. Constant. And then it stopped for a long time, but yeah. now it just started again. I'm and, so And it's, it. yeah, I just, I keep getting these friend requests. Where it's, yeah, just some woman and we have two friends in common. Right? And yeah. the couple times that uh, that it's happened to me now, like, I've just, I've gotten mad at the friends in common. Where it's, it's That's like, the thing is, it's like, oh, it's like, this I person. I trusted you, you man. Yeah, this you... person you don't know uh, uh, tagged Paul Sivis in this picture of Oakley's. And I go, well, I know it's not Paul's fault. But he should have been smarter yeah, to not exactly. friend that person who he has, who he doesn't know and has no friends in common with. And I, it's always because I always then block the original poster, yeah. so at least I don't see them ever again. But I'm very tempted <laughs> to always block the person who who it came from because I think, man, exactly. you're so fucking yeah. dumb, right? <laughs> um, all right, yeah. So be Paul's friend and all that stuff. <clears throat> okay, so Daredevil, or did I? Is there anything else you want to say? Any any other shit you wanted to plug? Uh, no, no. I want to talk over you. All right, so let's move on to Daredevil. Yeah. Second season of Daredevil. We all agreed first season was great, right? Yeah. We loved it. It wasn't too much. It was just right. 
it was plenty bloody and violent for a yeah, Daredevil was, story. Well, for a Daredevil story and for a Marvel property, like the the mm-hmm. movies have not been super, yeah, even super movies, violent. You're right. And it, obviously they couldn't do this show on regular TV. Yeah. It's simply too violent. And also I don't think people would sit through it. It's really dark. Like, literally. Literally very dark. <laughs> it's, to the point where it, I felt like in the first season there were some lighting choices that I agree. To, it had to do with, like, the budget of the show. Yeah. Where it was almost like, these sets aren't great. Let's just turn the lights you know way what? down. And I think, you just reminded me, I, I, I said, I bet because they, were, they knew they're on Netflix and 80% of the people are going to watch this on a phone or an iPad... They said, fuck the sets. Let's just turn the lights down yeah. <laughs> and it'll look like the, a Daredevil episode. Because he he only goes out at night. I'm not yeah. a big comic book guy, but he only goes out at night, right? Pretty much. He's like, yeah. he's like Batman. He's not Superman. He, or... he has a day job. He's a lawyer by day. Exactly. And it's like to the point where in the comics, apparently no crime even happens during the day in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. So it's, he's never even faced with that you choice. You'd think they'd wise up. At some point, so, like, we start mugging people. Yeah, at two in the afternoon, or just you know, go home when the sun goes down. Yeah. Go home. Don't go outside. Um, but yeah, so I think they they skirted that, knowing they could get away with it because they're on Netflix. But yeah. also by being on Netflix, they can be a lot more violent and use uh, fouler language. They yeah. use the swears and not in an over the top way, like we can get away with it, but just more realistic. The way people would ex- like the first season. The fact that they killed so many characters in the first season, major characters, like the reporter uh, in the first season, I was shocked when they killed him off. This is my favorite, if we want to get into Daredevil trivia, this is my favorite piece of Daredevil trivia. This could be the trivia trivia. question, man. Make this the trivia question, (laughs) since I got the first one. So the man, uh, now I'm blanking on the actor's name, but the guy who played Ben Urich in the first season of Daredevil, Mm -hmm. uh, Curtis Vondi, I think is it? Yes, yeah. Curtis Vondi Hall. Curtis Fondy Hall. Um, he directed a film. Uh, has possibly directed more than one, but there's one film in particular mm-hmm. that I am thinking of. Okay. Uh, a classic of terrible cinema. Oh. So, uh, I actually, I think it's the other way around. It's Vondy Curtis Hall, now that I think about Bondi it. Curtis Hall. He, you're saying he directed a really shitty movie that is yeah. so shitty it's famously shitty. Yes. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to guess because I honestly don't know. I'm going to guess... Uh, Crossroads with Britney Spears. Close. Oh, sweet. Okay, write down the answer. Don't tell everybody. So that'll be the trivia question. (laughs) If you know what movie uh, Paul is talking about, obviously this is easily Googleable. So whoever can look it up first and send it to me, you will get a prize. Send it to Paul at thekingoftv.com. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I should have guessed that. I'm sure someone at home thinks I'm dumb because I didn't know that. I had no idea he directed that, though. That's funny. So, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of darkness on this show, literally and figuratively, but uh, in this second season, well, obviously we're only going to talk, did you watch more of it? Yes, I watched the first uh, four episodes at this point. Because I purposely only watched the first one, because I didn't, because I will always talk about the other ones, I I conflate them, and I don't know what's what, but in this episode... Especially if you watch a bunch of them in a row, it gets gets tricky, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and that's the point, you're supposed to watch it like that, but... There was so much violence in this first episode. It was almost like I honestly thought they were trying to make a point. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he, you know, what in that first that mob scene, whatever that hit, 
there's what, 10, 12 guys in yeah, that room? To just all get machine gunned to death. And yeah. all but one dies, the one guy who eventually goes to see Matt for help. Yeah. But they're like massacred. Yeah. It's a big deal. And for a guy who's not big on comics, I honestly forgot. I was like, who is this? <laughs> and then when he showed up, I went, oh, of course, the Punisher. That makes sense. Because when I, I was never a comic book guy. My friend Jim Bruce was. When we were yeah. kids, I would read his comics. And so, and by the way, when I say kids, I mean high school. We were <laughs> friends in high school, not uh, not when we were little kids. But he collected comics. He's a serious comic book guy. And I'd go over to his house and fucking read them all. And I loved The Punisher. It was honestly one of the... Because I knew he never... He didn't have his own comic for a long time. But he had a lot of good limited yeah. runs. And then and, would, would pop up in other people's Yes, books. all the time. Yeah. And there was this one limited series for The Punisher where... Uh, it basically tells his whole backstory. It's the best. And, you know, how when he was Frank Castiglione, this happened and all this other yeah. stuff. And it was like, oh, this guy doesn't have any superpowers, first of all. So that is cool. And secondly, he's a bad guy. Yeah. He, he's convinced he's a good guy. And he hopefully only kills bad guys, but he's terrible. And he says flat out, no, I kill people. Like when other superheroes, Spider-Man and people say, yeah. no, 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 we can't kill people. He goes, fuck that. I have two giant guns here. And that was a big and deal. In the sec the third episode, I think, of the season, there, there is a big scene between him and Daredevil Good. where they okay. have that conversation. Yeah, and he's a little nuts too. Obviously, yeah. the reason he does this is because he's nuts. But he doesn't, you know, and, and that's a big deal for Marvel in the Marvel universe. Cause they really are, as for all the great adult properties they have, Marvel comics are for kids, I think. Yeah. And they want kids to see Spider-Man. And Guardians of the Galaxy and all this shit they put out. It's all for kids. Yeah. And it's great for adults to enjoy. But honestly, if I were to see a movie that was like Daredevil, I would be pissed. I would be like, how dare you put... Like Deadpool. I was, I was going to say. Had, yeah. Even though it's rated R, tons of blood and tons of swears, I think kids love it. Kid, <laughs> kids, Honestly, if I had a son who was like probably 15 or 14 and he said he wanted to see Deadpool I'd be like yeah let's go and he would love yeah. it I think that's like the the butter zone for, for Daredevil is 14 to 16 year old boys yeah and, but I think if it was a movie people would complain people would be like this is way over the fucking top too much blood you got this character on you're glorifying violence in the most major way popular I think it would be too much but it's yeah. good for TV also these guys are better for TV anyways. They're not really big screen yeah. actors. They're all yeah. very subtle. Everybody on the show, very subtle. Uh, I like that, and I like all the violence. And Aside from all the stuff that's in the first season that we like, you know, we all decided Foggy's great. This is the best Foggy ever. Mm, for, not for, so see, much? For, for me, uh, not that character, but that actor. Was it, uh, oh, okay. Eldon Hansen, uh -huh. is that his name? Oh, he went by a different name in the Mighty Ducks movies. Oh, so right. little, <laughs> when he was a kid? Um, yeah. Uh, to me, he's like the weak link. Really? In that show. Oh, like, that's, I talk about that. It just, uh, just, he, I don't know, he's it's, it's just one of those people where it's just like his, his voice or something is just a resonant frequency mm. that every time he opens his mouth I just want to punch his stupid face yeah, in. Yeah, there are people like that for me. <laughs> and there's no there's no rhyme or reason behind yeah. it. You just not you don't dig him. Yeah, it's and good. and I, I felt like towards the end of season one, the episode in particular where he finds out that Matt is Daredevil, uh -huh. I started to tolerate him a little more. I think partly because they kind of were giving him something yes. to actually do aside from... 
and made him a part like of the make team. A, make a, a shitty quip yeah. here and there. Well, that's um, and, and that I think that's an old superhero show problem, anyways. Whenever yeah. you have a, it's like the I don't know. I'm sure it's called the Lois Lane conundrum in comic book, you know, lore. <laughs> it's like, what do you do with the character who is a major part of your story, but yet is clearly too stupid to figure out that this person yeah. in the in their life has another identity, and and in Foggy's case, and what they usually do is they say, okay, we have to bring them in. Because eventually there's the character who goes, what the fuck is going on? Tell me the truth. Unless they're living in denial and no one wants to see that. That's not good. So, yeah, he has to he has to be let in on it. Do you think what's what's the secretary's name? Um, I always want to say Karen. Yeah, I want to say Karen, too. Okay, let's just call her Karen. (laughs) Um, But she uh, I feel that way about her. I feel like they're going to have to tell her. right? Well, and that's in in the episodes I've watched so far this season. Like, that's the problem so far with her character is like she's kind of off in her own investigation. That's running parallel to to Matt Murdock's investigation. Right. But to the point where it seems like. She's discovering all the same things, so, but in, through different routes at the same time. Yeah. So it sort of seems like we're wasting time with ah, that character. Interesting. Where it, yeah. it just sort of seems like... I mean, I like that she's smart and is figuring things out and is like actually taking action and doing things. Right. But the fact that it, it's all, it all seems to be a little redundant because... Our hero, Matt Murdock, is figuring out the same things by punching people in the face. Like, right. He's doing it more effectively and more entertaining. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it, it's this, it's like, well, if you, if you just told her that you're Daryl Devlin, it's like she could be... Work together, right? Yeah, she, she could, could be, be working other on things. other aspects, getting information that you're not She could be making getting. phone calls. Yeah. Oh, that's it's, hilarious. Well, it's funny because, yeah, you're right. That's the danger when it's like you don't want to have a Lois Lane who's just useless. Someone posted this thing about Lois Lane comics. Do you remember the Lois Lane comics? <laughs> yeah. Even though she had a very successful run of comics, it was like every episode was like, or every issue was, Lois goes on on a date. Or, so yeah. Lois shrinks Superman down to a boy and spanks him. They're all like these ridiculous things for girls, supposedly. <laughs> so you don't want to have that character on your show. But at the same time, if she's a smart, strong woman, she's going to speak up and say, hey, how come you always are beat up every morning? Do you get in yeah. a fight every single night? I don't think so. Well, and that is, I think in the first episode they allude to this, uh, where Foggy tells Matt, like, yeah, I just tell Karen that you have a drinking problem. <laughs> and in the, the next few episodes, like, that comes up a few times. Like, you can tell, it's like she's worried about him because mm. she thinks, like, he's a drunk. or that's that, She knows there's something going on with him. Hmm. So, well, that's good. Okay, yeah. I like that. Well, let's, obviously this season's all about the Punisher, uh, and they make it clear, they don't say, he doesn't say, hi, I'm the Punisher, but they show his face and it's clear at the end, oh, this is the guy yeah. we've all been talking about for a long time. And he doesn't dress, you know, just like Daredevil doesn't wear a red suit with two D's on it, this guy doesn't have a skull and crossbones on his chest either, Yeah. Um, but he still wants to kill people. But from what I've read, they're going to do a lot of, there's going to be a lot more guests that we want to see who else did they say was going to be on this uh season? electra is right in this season i think she's the other sort of big daredevil mainstay that right. shows up and and i she shows up at the very end of the fourth episode so oh okay and you kind of have to i mean it's yeah it, it's good they did the first season without her but you have to have yeah electra right she's yeah exactly his girlfriend so that's fine now uh, uh forgive me for bringing this up but 
when you watch Daredevil, do you ever have flashbacks to the Ben Affleck movie? <laughs> and and it reminds you how sad you were when you watched that? Um, mostly I have flashbacks in the sense of, like, I'll be like, oh, they're doing this much better than they did it in the Daredevil. <laughs> right. In, in, the, in the Ben Affleck movie. Right. And, that, like, yeah. I've... One of the big ones for me is, like, if you remember the Daredevil movie, like, you know, they have some sort of, like, CGI radar vision cam. Oh, right. Yeah, the red. You're seeing what he, quote-unquote, sees. sees. But it's, the way they do it, it basically, it's like, well, he he can just see. He just sees, like, weird blue outlines of everything, but he sees. He can't see details, but so what? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Unless you need to read something. Um... But I feel like the the show through the first season and in, in the uh, the start of the second season does a really good job of uh, sort of cinematically finding a way to make you understand the ways in which his senses are, are limited. Right. Yeah. Without doing that sort of dumb. Yeah, that was radar corny. POV. Yeah. Now that you reminded me of that, that really mm-hmm. ruined the movie. <laughs> it's like when you see that part, you go, "Oh, he's not blind." Yeah, it's, it's like, "What's the fucking point then?" So, but yeah, it's things yeah. like you know his, his enhanced hearing and yeah, that scene really in the bar yeah. is great because they're just there to have a drink. They're supposed yes. to meet somebody they don't know, so they're just playing pool, having a drink. But he overhears; he's not even trying. He hears there's somebody in there whose heart is beating really fast. Yeah, and he just says, "Oh, that shouldn't be. We're in a bar," and it happens naturally, and. He, and he doesn't make a big deal out of it. In fact, he never... He's not like, I gotta go. And then Daredevil runs in yeah. and saves the day. And it also brings up... One of the things about Daredevil that I like is that even though he has superpowers, they have very little to do with what he does as a superhero. His basically superpowers make him as good as a super, as a regular superhero, like a Batman or something. Like, he mm-hmm. needed superpowers... To even just be a crime fighter, you know yeah. what I mean? Not a superhero because he's disabled. Yeah. There aren't a lot of disabled superheroes, and it's a—they don't ever point that out. They don't ever say, "Oh, he's disabled. He's helpless." Like that's a part of his character. But it's not like he's super strong or super right. agile. He just has heightened senses, and on top of that, he's a fucking he badass. Fight really well. Yeah, yeah he's which just, I, yeah. I like. Once he actually starts going at it with the Punisher, like the yeah. Punisher, it, it's a—it's an even fight. Like. And that's great because they've raised the stakes because there was that scene last season where I guess he fights off five or six dudes and it's the longest fucking fight scene ever. Yeah. And everybody was talking about it when it happened because it was well shot and it was well done and it was great. But obviously they said we need to amp this up because if he's going to fight the Punisher, it's got to be the best fight scene ever. And what, what episode does that happen in? Uh, it's actually, I think episode two, they go at it a f- couple of times. Okay. Episode two and then nice. episode three, yeah. There's so yeah, four. you want to see a lot of that. So they're giving the yeah. people what they want. Yeah, and in episode three, there's an amazing fight scene where he, <laughs> the Daredevil has sort of dealt with the Punisher and has put him in an elevator and is sending the elevator down, like, this building, and then uh. the Punisher has to fight his way... Or the, yeah, Daredevil has to fight his way down the stairs <laughs> through like thirty guys in this biker gang. Nice, and it's all done in a way where it looks like it's one long take, even though it's yeah. clear, they've clearly like stitched together a bunch of stuff. But it's sweet, pretty impressive. So yeah, it's not just that, and that's what I like about these these new Marvel properties, especially yeah. the TV shows, Jessica Jones, and yeah. what I hear about the new Power Man and Iron Fist shows. They 
Yeah, I liked Jessica Jones a lot. Oh, I loved it. Well. I thought it was it's, great. Yeah. But because, like you said, they don't have the big budgets that Guardians of the Galaxy has, uh, so they have to make do. And so they said, well, let's just change the tone. It's not the Avengers where they're flying through space. Yeah. It's they're in Hell's Kitchen. They don't even leave the neighborhood. Hell's Kitchen <laughs> isn't even a city. It's a neighborhood. Yeah. So, it's not even that big of a neighborhood. Right? Like you could walk from one end to the yeah. other in a day. It's not, not a big even. place. Very easily. Yeah, That's right? Simple. An afternoon. Yeah. Easily. You walk through and you see the sights and then the sun comes down. And you go, okay, let's get back to Bushwick. But it's uh, uh, but this it's they all stay there and it's and people live and work there. The Kingpin lived there. Bob Gunton in the first episode, you know, mm-hmm. uh, all these bad guys. That was where they operated out of. But it's cool because this is the world they've created, and they don't wear costumes per se. You know, Daredevil has obviously a darker outfit and a mask yeah. with no eye holes, but uh, nobody. But there's no. Power Man doesn't have a chain link around his head, you know. <laughs> Elektra's not wearing this absurd scarlet red costume yeah. that everybody can see her in. Uh, so they make it more believable. And because they're saving money, it's just, it makes it, they can concentrate on the things that matter, specifically the characters. Yeah. And get good actors to play these characters and be true to them. Because, I don't know about you, but I had this conversation, I think, a long time ago when it was clear that. Marvel figured out what people want to see, you know, when Joss Whedon kind of came in and brought it all together. It was like, that. that's why people watch superhero movies, to see things that they recognize in the comics and to see, like, what would it be like to have these superpowers? The special effects are great. Yeah. But I want to know, what is it like to be Peter Parker? Not to be Spider-Man, right? That's why the first Peter Parker movie and the second one were so great. And that third <laughs> one was a fucking... Yeah. Embarrassment, God damn it! It makes me mad. It's so bad. <laughs> it's a, a, this is not my joke, but a friend of mine had this whole sort of speech about the that second Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie about how it's actually two movies mm-hmm. stitched together. One of them is called Spider-Man versus Doctor Octopus, which is great, which is great, and the other movie is called Peter Parker Can't Catch a Break, <laughs> which, which is also a really good movie yeah. just on its own. It's just about and, Peter Parker, yeah. yeah, and that's why this the third one sucks because. Because he's supposed to be becoming Venom now, yeah. and it turns him into a jerk. Who gives yeah, a fuck? The whole dance sequence. Oh! Ah, <laughs> it makes me so angry. I was so mad. I wanted to leave the theater, but I, I, I said it has to get better. Um, so yeah, this show is you know it's not about Daredevil. It's about Matt. You yeah. know that's that's the thing. And you know the Punisher. Who's going to call him the Punisher? Even in the comics, they call him Frank. He's he's called Frank or Castle. Yeah. All the time, you know, people call him, get out of here, Castle. So that's that's what the show is. And, you know, just like you said, Jessica Jones, they never called him Power Man on it. His name was Luke, Luke right? Yeah. And they, they do, as, as season two of Daredevil goes on, they do start calling him, the the name The Punisher comes into it. And well, I'm sure, yeah, it, that, yeah, it's got to so. come up. But, yeah, they don't, like, Jessica Jones, that's her name. Yeah. I, I know in the comics she used a name for a while, a superhero yeah, name uh, for a short while. Jewel or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but it's insignificant because and that's not yeah. what in it's terms about. Of, there's, the, there's one moment in, in one of the episodes of Jessica Jones where her friend is like, you can wear this costume. It's, right, it, right. It is the Jewel costume. And she's like, no, I'm not doing that. Absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah, it's not even in, it's not even considered. Because that's what these fucking Marvel shows are about. And, you know, and it, the truth is if you took out all the big special effects from the Marvel movies... That's what they would be. These great character yeah. studies of characters like Peter Quill or, you know, or yeah. uh, fucking Tony Stark, 
What a great character that is. Wouldn't you love to see a movie about young Tony Stark growing up to take over his father's company? Yeah. Before he's even considering and then, being on And then even, like, if you just... Having a moment where he really, like, he understands all the death and destruction that his company has caused. Right. And, and having to try and make up for that or reverse that. Yeah. Like, you could make a really compelling movie out of that premise, like, if you, just entirely removing Iron Man from yeah. it. If it's just that guy. Yeah. And, you know? and no one, and, you know, maybe a young uh, Jeff uh, Bridges as, you know, Obadiah Stane in, yeah. when he was a nicer man before he turned into a murderer and a young Pepper Potts who's new at the company. I would love to see all that. No superhero stuff at all. <laughs> Just show me these characters, you know, being who they are. That's one of the things I love about Captain America. The whole yeah. first part of the movie when he's not Captain America is amazing. It's so fucking good. So, yeah, that's why this show, if you're not watching Daredevil, <laughs> watch this show. Because the parts where they're not, you know, when they're out in the during the daylight, they're pretty good. Uh, it's a great show and it's great acting. Um, all right. Anything else you want to say about those shows or any other show before we wrap it up? Uh, no. Yeah, just that <laughs> I, I'm really impressed so far with uh, season two. It seems to be sort of on track to be as good, if not better, than now, season one. So, as a side note, I know they're doing a Iron Iron Fist show. Yes, they're going to do yeah Luke Cage. I think is going to have his own show, right. and then there's going to be a separate Iron Fist show. Right, and then they're going to bring all of these sort of the Netflix corner of the Marvel universe together into a Defenders show. Oh, okay, which yeah, is kind that of all makes those sense. Characters together, the Defenders. Yeah, all right, I'm on board with that. So, but like, unlike Power Man and Jessica Jones and Daredevil, uh, Iron Fist has actual powers that you can see him doing. Correctly, am, uh, I, am, he, am I correct about that? Am I saying that correctly? Um, little um, <laughs> Iron Fist, not my area of expertise, but I oh, believe okay. so. Yes, there's some sort like of when he like punches people with yeah. his Iron Fist. It's there's, clear he has some kind There's of, always some kind of like energy bursts yeah. like happening around his fists. Okay, because that's one of my favorite scenes in Jennifer Jones is when Luke puts that... Though, this takes the saw to yeah. himself. Yeah, and he shows. Because looking at him, honestly, you would never tell. But yeah. he has to show you. Whereas most superheroes can go, look what I do. Blee, 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 blee. Yeah. So, yeah. So that would be a little different. But, I don't know. Do you ever watch the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon on Disney XD? No, I've only seen bits and pieces. I love it because it's it's really funny. Unlike other Marvel cartoons, it's written really well. <laughs> and they have the first season, the premise was he was in high school. It was Peter Parker in high school. Yes, which is where Peter Parker should be. Absolutely. That's or one of college. The, well, maybe. Like, that's one of the things that infuriated me about the first uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie is that, like, they speed up the clock really fast and get him out of high school. Yeah. Like, Half an hour into the movie, yeah, which didn't make it seemed like an unnecessary step to me. It's like I want to see Peter Parker in high school. Yes, well, because if Peter Parker had developed his powers later after he was a man, he would be a different, completely yeah. different person. Yeah. What yeah. happened to him being bullied, seeing his uncle murdered, and even wasn't he molested? At, didn't they eventually retcon that he was molested I'm at some sure point? Sure, they got into that at some. Yeah, point. Yeah, when that became an issue in America, I seem to remember them writing an issue where <laughs> Peter like said to someone, hey, I think that guy molested me when we were kids. But regardless, you need to see that. So seeing seeing that shit before and seeing them in high school, that's all good. And so the premise is him. Uh, it's him, Iron Fist, Power Man, and what's her name? Jade Tiger. 
she's White Tiger. Oh, is that yeah. her name? They all go to high school together, and then they oh. fight, and they fight bad guys in their off time. Oh, and Nova, who's a total dick. Uh, apparently him and Spider-Man don't get along. But it's funny to watch because they're kids. But then like, oh, the Guardians of the Galaxy came to talk to Nova. And they're on the show now because he's in the Nova Corps and doesn't know it. Uh, and then the dude who plays Iron Fist is like, he's a kid, Danny Rand. Is that his name? Daniel Rand? I think so, yeah. So they call him Danny because in high school. But he's like a he's like a Zen Buddhist kid. Yeah. He's like that. So it's great characters. Now they're this season kind of sucks because it's all, it's like Scarlet Spider- and sewer spider is that a guy <laughs> spider-man who lives in the sewer i don't know what that is and then the the gay mexican spider-man from the other universe crossed okay. over to their okay. universe so it's all the spider-mans is what it's about now which is a little corny um but i still like it all right so next week um david will be gone again and i will hopefully be high af at the 420 games so i'm gonna re- i'm gonna put the batman reunion up on the feed what kind of what kind of games do they play at the 420 games? Like, <laughs> well the, what are the-, the game from what i understand here's the whole day you go to santa monica and you do a 4.20 walk or run to venice and back okay. That would be the game part. Okay. That's the only real activity. So that four, happens... 4.2 miles? Yes. Is that, okay. Get it? Yeah. And so then, after that, everybody goes to a bar for the after party, and that's where they'll give out samples, and there's a couple bands, and that's and that's what it is. I mean, I'm, I don't know the point of the walk. I'm certainly not going to that. <laughs> I don't know what that is, other than maybe hang out with other people who like to get high and take a walk on the beach. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. <laughs> But I don't, I don't see the connection. But I'm going yeah. for the after party, and so there's no real games. I don't think now. Okay. So, but so there's not like it's there's not like Olympic style events. No, that which is what like, I thought when I got the email. I thought like oh, what's this the game? Cool. What's the game with the beanbag and the little board with cornhole? Hole cornhole. Yeah, yeah which, that would be great. Why not? Yeah, that sounds perfect. Uh, but I'll put the Batman show up there, and uh, it, it's very funny. And for those of you who maybe there's some of you who don't listen to those shows when they're on, but this one. I really want you to listen to it because, first of all, Philip Wilburn does this great Adam West impression. It sounds just like him, while Benny Arthur is not doing anything close to a Burt Ward impression. <laughs> and the two of them together are really funny. Well, how do you even do a Burt Ward impression? Exactly. As, as, aside from saying, you know... Uh, holy whatever. Holy, yeah, exactly. And he says that the whole show, holy shit, Benny says over and over again. It's very <laughs> funny. But, Steve, you know Steve Benequist? Yeah, yeah. He does Vincent Price. And it's fucking amazing. He sounds just like him. And, uh-huh. like, honestly, we you know, we all ad-lib the show. It's all improv. Mm. And, and I just tell people, pick someone and get a costume and come out. So people come out. And I'm always as surprised by anyone else. And Steve comes out in this great costume with a cravat on and all this <laughs> stuff. And I go, so, Vincent, good to see you. And he says, hello. And it's, I was like, holy shit, he sounds just like him. I almost stopped and went, ladies and gentlemen, Steve Benequist. <laughs> it was so fucking good. So I I uh, implore you, please listen to this. Also, it's probably the last one. They can't. Uh, they gave ooh. us six. Yeah, they gave us six shows at Nerd Melt, and I can't complain about that because they were super nice, and I was more. I was overjoyed to do the shows there. But if someone knows of a theater <clears throat> that wants to have us do the show there, I would love to do it. It's a very simple show to do. I would love to go back. But that will be on next week is the Batman show, and then after that, David will be back, and we'll have more big news and uh, anything else that people should do, Paul. Uh, follow me on Twitter, right? At Paul Sebus. Uh, 
Is there uh, any anything that they should watch in particular for next week? You tell me. Ah. Should they what should they watch? Keep watching. No, you're close. <laughs> What's the name of the oh, show? That it's not Keep Watching with Paul and David. No. It's, um, it's not Keep Watching with Paul and David. It's not it's, uh, Turn on hey, the TV. See this thing. <laughs> close enough. <laughs> that is great.